0: Well, welcome back to Understanding Childhood Cancer with Dr. Jeff. And today I'm going to start my series where I discuss all of the different drugs that we use in childhood cancer and leukaemia. And today I'm going to start with a particular drug called Vincristine. Vincristine. And Vincristine is used in a lot of different childhood cancers and leukemias, and so it's an important drug to know about. And what I'll do is, first of all, I'll talk about what diseases we use vincristine for and then how we give it and how we work out what dose to give and then talk about the side effects. So first off, what diseases do we use vincristine for? Well, it's almost easy to talk about what diseases don't we use vincristine for because we use it for a lot of different forms of childhood cancer. We use it for acute lymphoblastic leukemia, we use it for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, we use it for Hodgkin's disease, we don't tend to use it for acute myeloid leukemia, we tend to use it in acute lymphoblastic leukemia a lot, but not acute myeloid leukemia. In the solid tumors, we use it uh, for Wilms tumor, it's one of the key drugs in Wilms tumor, we use it for rhabdomyosarcoma, we use it for Ewing sarcoma, we use it for neuroblastoma, in brain tumors we use it in medulloblastoma low grade glioma maybe in ependymoma in atypical teratoid rhabdoid tumor we don't use it much in osteogenic sarcoma we don't tend to use it much in treatment of high grade glioma and we don't tend to use it much in germ cell tumors but really we're using on a lot of different diseases so it's an important drug. And how do we give vincristine? Well vincristine is always given into a vein. So it's either given into a central line or a portacath or else a needle is put into a vein so that the drug can then be given into the vein. And it's really important that it goes into the vein and it doesn't leak out of the vein. Vincristine is what we call a vesicant drug. A vesicant means if it leaks out of the vein and into the surrounding tissues, then it can damage those tissues severely. Firstly, it'll usually hurt at the time, but it might not, but it can really burn the surrounding tissues. It can chew through surrounding tissues, damage tendons, nerves, you know, skin can peel off. You can end up needing skin grafts. It's it's serious business if vincristine leaks out of the bloodstream. So for instance, if we were going to use just a normal vein, you wouldn't want to use a drip that someone put in someone's vein, you know, four days earlier and just count on that vein being okay to use. See, when you put a drip in a vein you know, for suppose you're on antibiotics or IV fluids, you know, those cannulas, those IVs that are in your vein, they last for a few days, but eventually they do something that we call tissueing. That's what drips do. They eventually stop working and start leaking into the tissues surrounding the, the insertion site. And so that's why we have to change a drip every now and then on patients. Now, if you're going to give a drug like Vincristine that's a vesicant drug, you'd be wary about a drip that was put in a few days ago. You'd be worried that, gee, what if it leaks out into the surrounding tissues? It could cause a bad burn. So central line we feel much better about using, or else uh, a pretty brand new cannula that you're sure is in the vein and isn't leaking out into the surrounding tissues. So the drug's given into a vein. Now... Over the years, a lot of the time we've given it by what we call a bolus injection, bolus, B-O-L-U-S. That means that it's given over a very short period of time, you know, 10, 15, 30 seconds, something like that. And a lot of the time in the past, being Christine would be prepared in a syringe and it would come to the oncology clinic or ward and it would be in the syringe and it's just a clear colour and then the syringe could just be attached to the central line or the vein, and then we could just push it in over 10, 15, 30 seconds, something like that. So that's called an IV push injection or a bolus injection, and that's how we gave vincristine for a long time. Now, recently people have taken to giving those short infusions instead of in a syringe and pushing it in over uh, a matter of some seconds, um, some units have taken to putting the Vincristine in a little IV bag. You know those bags that IV fluids come in? Well, you can get one called a mini bag, and some units now prefer to put the Vincristine in a little mini bag, and then that's hooked up just like any other bag of fluid, and then it can be dripped in over, you know, two or three or five or ten minutes. Now, the reason people have started doing this is just to avoid one particular disaster that you never want to even hear about. Like I said, vincristine has to be given into a vein. Now, you know we use some other drugs that we give via lumbar puncture, okay? When we're treating leukemia or lymphoma, we often have to do a spinal tap, a lumbar puncture, and inject chemotherapy drugs into the spinal fluid. And there's certain drugs that are safe to do that with. There's methotrexate, there's cytosine, there's hydrocortisone. There's just a few drugs that we are regularly injecting into the spinal fluid. Well, over the decades, people have made a mistake and accidentally injected vincristine into the spinal fluid. And that is a disaster. That pretty much is uniformly fatal. And It's a bit of a risk because the drug comes in a syringe just like the lumbar puncture drugs and it's clear just like one of the lumbar puncture drugs and it comes to the ward with the patient's name on it and over the years, you know, it's only happened a few times but people have mixed up one drug and given the vincristine into the spinal tap. Total disaster. And we never want to even see or hear of that happening. So one of the strategies that some units have taken too is always preparing the vincristine in a bag so that no one will ever make that mistake because no one's going to hook a bag up to a lumbar puncture. So that's why some units are starting to put vincristine in a bag now rather than in a syringe. There's still times when you'll need it in a syringe, but uh, people are more and more moving towards putting vincristine in a bag. Some other units even go one step further where they never allow the same patient to have a lumbar puncture and a vincristine dose on the same day. Just another way to avoid that, you know, once in a 100 years mistake that unfortunately has been made in, in some units. So that's what that's about. Anyway, most of the time vincristine is given by a bolus, you know, over a few seconds or over five minutes or something like that. There are some other schedules where it's given as a prolonged infusion for instance, in neuroblastoma, there have been some protocols where have been Christine's given by a long 72-hour infusion. So in those situations they'll have a, you know, one of those IV pumps that slowly injects the drug in over 72 hours. and uh, yeah, so that's a prolonged infusion schedule. but more often it's given by the short injection, bolus, IV push, few minutes. One of the other things about vincristine is that it doesn't tend to suppress the blood counts. If you've listened to that earlier episode of mine on an introduction to chemotherapy, you will have heard that a lot of drugs uh, can affect the bone marrow and suppress blood production, and so a lot of the other drugs when you give them then, you know, a week or 10 or 12 days later, the white blood cell count goes low platelet count goes low and and then there's a period of recovery and then you can give the drugs again so the drugs that are really hard on the bone marrow you can only give about every 3 weeks or maybe every 2 weeks it's harder to give them every week except in leukemia where you just have to vincristine doesn't tend to affect the blood counts as much and so that means that it is a drug that you can give every week and in some of the schedules we do indeed give it every week for you know maybe 10 weeks so give it every Wednesday for instance give a vincristine shot every Wednesday whereas the other chemo drugs can't be given that often. Now how do we work out the dose of vincristine to give? Like many chemotherapy drugs the main way we work out the dose of vincristine to give is based on the patient's body surface area. Okay, so that's the surface area of all of their skin. Now, we can't exactly go and measure the surface area of their skin. So we have things called nomograms and charts and equations, all of these things that convert a patient's height and weight to calculate what their body surface area would be. And like I said, we have these charts that will do this for us. There is a simple equation that a lot of people use. That's uh, the body surface area is worked out by multiplying the height in centimetres by the weight in kilograms. And then you divide all of that by 3600. And then you take the square root of all of that. And then that's how you can work out body surface area. And it's pretty close approximation to what you'll work out with the charts as well. So we work out the body surface area. And then the standard dose of Vincristine, the one that's used most of the time, is to give 1.5 milligrams of Vincristine for every square metre of a patient's body surface area. So if a patient's body surface area was, say, 0.6 metres squared, then the dose would end up being 0.6 times 1.5, And that would be 0.9 milligrams. So the patient would get 0.9 milligrams of vincristine intravenously. So that's the standard dose, 1.5 milligrams per meter squared. But there's a very important thing to know is that in many situations, there's a top dose of 2 milligrams. So in many protocols, nobody gets a higher dose than 2 milligrams. Most of the time, that's the sort of ceiling dose. So if you are a really huge person, you still only get two milligrams. You know, you don't get three milligrams or something. There are a couple of exceptions to that where we can give higher doses. One of the protocols for Hodgkin's disease, for instance, has a higher maximum dose that you can give. So we go above that two milligrams. But most of the time, uh, there's a maximum dose of two milligrams. Now, by the way, when you use that body surface area equation and you get down to smaller and smaller people, particularly, you know, patients under the age of about one year and under about 10 kilograms, then we tend to base the dose on their weight and have a different calculation. Something like might be 0.05 milligrams for every kilogram of body weight. And then in infants, oftentimes there's still further modifications of the dose Uh, You know, in some infant situations, we only give half as much, for instance. Anyway, the protocols will specify quite clearly what dosage to be given, and usually it's 1.5 milligrams per meter squared of body surface area with a maximum of 2 milligrams, with some exceptions. Okay, next I want to talk about the side effects of vincristine. And I'll talk about acute side effects. They're the ones that you get during treatment. And then I'll talk about long-term side effects. They're ones that could persist afterwards. Now, I've already talked about that vesicant thing, you know, where if it leaks into the tissues, it can cause a very serious burn of the surrounding tissues, and that's a terrible thing to happen. So I've already talked about that. Next thing to talk about is, well, vincristine can irritate nerves. And that's one of its main problems. It irritates nerves. And so a lot of the side effects we get from vincristine come about because of it irritating nerves. So Mm -hmm. for instance, if we give vincristine on one day, it might be that a couple of days later patients start to complain of pains. So a typical one is a patient complaining of jaw pain, pain in the jaw, and that can be quite severe. Now usually we can Treat it with paracetamol, or that's what Americans call acetaminophen, I think. Anyway, Panadol, that's usually enough to treat that sort of pain, but a jaw pain that comes on usually a couple of days after vincristine and then lasts for a couple of days, that's pretty typical sort of uh, nerve-related pain from vincristine. Other patients get crampy abdominal pains, belly, tummy pains from vincristine, and again, That's typical and it's related to its toxicity on nerves. And in the same way, constipation can be a really big problem with vincristine. That's one we really have to look out for, particularly in those schedules where we're giving it every week, week after week. And in leukaemia, it's usually every week for about four weeks. But in some of the other conditions, it's every week for, you know, maybe 10 weeks. And constipation is a real problem. So some units would just put patients on some sort of laxatives right from the start to prevent constipation. Others might give the first few doses and see how an individual patient goes. But a lot of the time patients end up needing something for constipation, maybe a stool softener or a you know, lactulose or a laxative, something like that to treat constipation, because we really don't want patients to get totally glued up with constipation while they're on vincristine. It's miserable business. So constipation is a big one. Now, also to do with the way that vincristine can irritate nerves is patients can get uh, pins and needles, you know, pins and needles feelings. And again, that's usually going to be in the hands and the feet, because they're the longest nerves in the body, the nerves that go to your hands and feet. And so that's the typical place where patients can get pins and needles. You know, pins and needles, the technical word for that is paresthesia. That's Latin, I think, Paresthesia. So that doesn't usually happen with the first dose, but usually after a patient's had multiple doses, then they may start to develop pins and needles in the hands and feet, they may report it as numbness. They may report it as pain in the hands and feet. Some will complain of feeling weakness in the hands. They might feel a bit clumsy with their hands, particularly if they're trying to do fine and delicate tasks like playing the piano or something. They might just feel that their hands aren't as dexterous as usual. And that is something that can come on after several doses of Vincristine usually. And so our protocols will have written guidelines for what to do if this neuropathy gets too severe. And it may be that in certain circumstances we have to reduce the dose of vincristine or we may need to uh, skip a few doses of vincristine altogether. And so this neuropathy that we call it, neuropathy, that's a, a big thing to be watching out for with vincristine. We regularly have to adjust doses or skip doses because of that toxicity from vincristine. Now, most of the time, that side effect of neuropathy is going to get better once we stop giving vincristine. Now, it may take months, you know, it may take a year or more. And in certain circumstances, some patients have a residual neuropathy that persists long after treatment. It may even be permanent. But a lot of the time we'll find that a neuropathy will improve once we stop giving vincristine and it may take some months to do so. Patients' hair will often fall out with vincristine. In fact, I'd say most of the time we'll find that hair falls out with vincristine. When does it fall out? Hmm, Usually a few weeks into treatment with vincristine, the hair will start to fall out progressively. It grows back. Once we stop treatment, hair normally grows back, um, but it's distressing for patients sometimes. There's a couple of obscure metabolic things that can occur with vincristine. I won't go into them in too much detail, but the team will be well aware of them. For instance, our body has a very careful way that it controls our salt levels in our blood. Uh, so we're regularly measuring patients' sodium level in the blood and vincristine can interfere with the way our body controls that sodium level and we can end up with derangements and abnormalities of the sodium content of the blood. So it's not a situation for you to go out and give your child extra salt or restrict salt or something. This is this is really one for the experts to, to know about and it's not particularly common. Something else to know about is that vincristine can interfere with the metabolism of certain other drugs, and certain other drugs can interfere with the metabolism of vincristine. So sometimes patients that are on some of the funny antifungal antibiotics, some of them we don't like to give at the same time as vincristine, and so sometimes we swap to a different antifungal during vincristine treatments, and then swap back to the other antifungal. Now the Main thing to mention that doesn't usually happen is suppression of blood counts. Like I said, most chemotherapy drugs have some effect on the blood counts and can cause low blood counts a week or two after we give the drug. Well, that effect with Vincristine, if it occurs at all, is pretty minor. So it's quite a good drug for those situations where you want to give some treatment for a cancer, but you can't afford to suppress the bone marrow anymore. So it's it's quite good in that respect, and that's why we can give it every week. I wouldn't say it has no effect on blood counts. Probably it does have some effect on blood counts, and maybe that varies, and probably there are some people who are a bit more sensitive to it in that respect. But most of the time, we don't think of it as a drug that's going to lower the blood counts. So that's good. So they're the main things that come to mind as far as the short-term side effects, the things that might happen during treatment. There's always the fine print, of course. If you go to the fine print, there's always a whole bunch of other side effects that people experience, but they tend to be the less common ones. Oh, there is one I forgot. There are patients who complain of a change in taste. They complain of a metallic taste to food with vincristine, I wouldn't say that one's particularly common, but it's common enough that I I hear about it from my patients from time to time. But like I said, there's always the fine print that always has all the rare side effects that have been reported and are less common, and they're ones to hear about from your team. Now, as far as long-term side effects of vincristine are concerned, vincristine is a pretty good drug as far as long-term side effects are concerned. Most of the time, we don't worry too much about long-term side effects with vincristine. We don't think of it as a drug that's particularly likely to cause infertility. We don't think of it as a drug that's particularly associated with, you know, causing a second malignancy or anything like that. I think the main thing to mention would be that neuropathy, that effect on nerves that I already discussed. And Remember, a lot of patients will have some abnormality of nerves. You know, I'm not talking about nerves in the brain, by the way. I'm talking about the nerves that go to your hands and feet mostly, or that, you know, the nerves that can control your intestines, so give you constipation. I'm talking about those nerves, not the nerves in your brain, not making you a nervous person, but neuropathy. Now, most of the time, like I said, that's something that occurs during treatment and tends to get better as the months go by, once we stop giving vincristine. But like I said, there'd be patients who have a long-term problem with uh, the nerves to the hands and feet, and some patients can have what you call a foot drop. That's uh, when you walk, and you're normally meant to lift your toes up at a certain point in walking. Well, there are occasional patients who are left with some weakness of the muscles that go to the feet, and so their feet sort of slap around a bit when they walk, it's not particularly common, but it happens. And I suppose if you did you know, complex nerve conduction studies on nerves, you'd find that there are patients who don't complain of any problem with the nerves to their hands and feet, but if you do this sophisticated testing, you might find an abnormality. So I think that'd be the main one I'd be looking out for as far as a long-term side effect of vincristine's concerned. It's really a pretty good drug in terms of long-term side effects. Anyway, finally, just for your interest, I wanted to tell you where we get vincristine from, well, where we got it from originally. So vincristine is in a family of drugs called the vinca alkaloids, and originally vincristine was isolated from the periwinkle plant. There you go, it's a herbal extract. I'm fond of telling families this, a lot of families come to me and they want to uh, use some complementary medicines or you know herbal remedies in their in their children, and of course they predict that me being a representative of the great medical establishment won't be keen on herbal medicines. Well, I'm very proud to be able to tell them that I'm giving their child an extract of a plant already, and that's been Christine, and so this uh, establishes my credentials as someone willing to embrace uh, alternative and complementary therapies. Well, maybe, maybe not. I don't even know where they get vincristine from now. They probably purify it and manufacture it synthetically in a lab. I don't know, but anyway. The other thing to mention is that there's some other drugs in this family of drugs called the vinca alkaloids. There's another one called vinblastine. Now vinblastine is similar to vincristine in a lot of ways. It's similar in terms of the way we give it, and it's similar in terms of many of its side effects. I tend to see a little bit more in the way of bone marrow suppression I think with vinblastine and I tend to see a bit more in the way of people feeling nauseous, maybe feeling a bit of vomiting, which we don't tend to see by the way with vincristine. I wouldn't say we never see it with vincristine but it's not a key side effect. But no, I think I see a bit more of that with vinblastine and then there's another drug called vinarelbine. It's not used particularly often in paediatrics so it's used from time to time. So there are other members of this vinca alkaloid family. So I think I'll leave it there. That's vincristine, pretty common drug. We're using a lot of it. Again, it's normally given as a quick infusion, maybe over 5, 10, 30 seconds, or maybe over a few minutes, but occasionally as a long infusion. And it's used in a lot of diseases. It's one of the most common drugs we're using in paediatric oncology. So thanks for tuning in to this Understanding Childhood Cancer with Dr. Jeff podcast. Like I said, remember to go to the Facebook page. Tell me what you think. Tell me if you've got any questions to do with what I've been saying here or any particular episodes you'd like to hear about. Go to the iTunes store. Give me some stars. My mother's still looking to see that I have achieved something in life, so a few stars on the iTunes store might just get me over the line. But anyway, that's it for now, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye now.